Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is The Takeaway. I'm Janae Pierre, sitting in for Melissa Harris-Perry. Happy Black History Month as we continue our series, Black Queer Rising with Lambda Award-winning and National Book Award finalist, author, and poet, Danette Smith. Their work viscerally examines the intricacies of gender, recognition of Black family and kinship, rebirth, and growing to know and learn themselves anew each day. You hear some of that in the poem, Waiting on You to Die So I Can Be Myself. A thousand years of daughters than me. What else could I have learned to be? Girl after girl after giving herself to herself. One long ring shout name. A monarchy of copper and cold shoulders. The body too is a garment. I learned this best from the snake undulating out of her pork rind dress. I crawl out of myself into myself, take refuge where I flee. Recognized in Forbes' 30 Under 30, Denez is the author of three poetry books, Insert Boy, Don't Call Us Dead, and Homie. Denez, welcome to The Takeaway. Thank you so much. <laughs> I always got a little emotional listening to my poem right there. <laughs> I did too. Um, but I want to start by asking, why do you write and who do you write your poetry for? When I was 14, I was lucky enough to stumble um, into the local spoken word community here in Minneapolis. Before then, I had only been exposed to um, dead and majority white writers. And all of a sudden, poetry was alive and vibrant, and it looked like me, um, and it helped save my life and make sense of the world that I think I was awakening up to at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still write because it has continued to save my life and continue to be a compass and a star that I can follow when I'm when I'm in despair, when I am in confusion, when I'm in grief. Um, it's also become a place to hold my ecstasy and my joy and my change. Uh, and who do I write for? Oh God, uh, I <laughs> I write for anybody who will pick it up and read. I think the most urgent people in my heart when I'm sitting down to write are Black folks, are people of color, are queer folks, are my family. It's my lover. It's myself. I think about poetry as a tool to catalog humanness, and I think. The human existence for myself really is cataloged on like, you know, who we loved and how well we did it. Prior to publishing your first book, Insert Boy, in 2014, you had already made a name for yourself as a slam poet. How did you approach the creation of your first book? What would you have told that younger version of yourself as you embarked on that endeavor? When I was making Insert Boy, you know, I think I was coming from 
a spoken word background or like a slam influence. But when you move over to the larger literary world, I think the first book is a lot more precious. What comes to mind is Era D. Matthews or um, Ama Kojo, um, who just released a brilliant first book, uh, Bluest Nude. Or even Toni Morrison, this is always, that's always my favorite example, Toni Morrison, who didn't publish her first novel until she was 41. Right. Um, I think I would tell my 24-year-old self to feel free to take more time. There wasn't a rush to have a book in the world. Granted, you know, my first book came out and I was super young and it did well. Um, so no regrets, but I really could have worked on that project for a lot longer. If you don't mind, I'd like for you to read one of your poems. It's called The Slap. Before I read, this is like loosely based on Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith at the Academy Awards. And I couldn't stop thinking about it for a couple of days until no this one could came. stop thinking about that. <laughs> no, no one could stop thinking about it. Shook America up. But this is after thinking about it for a couple of days. This is what I came to. The slap. There's no love there. So the words won't come. Or it's not my love, so I can't speak on it. And my hands knew before my brain, which sent me here to capture the faulty pa papers flung into electric space about the hand meeting the face and how somehow this sets black folks back into the fields and up the trees. I want black people free from my decisions. I want my actions to be mine and useful. I wish my cruelty to wither, and hopefully my karma has come. Ugh, the things I've said about Black women in public. Things that were overheard or deleted. Things I meant to harm and things I said because I was taught to say them. I am a faulty ally. I've thrown hands to defend, yes, but I've also fired the bullet of words. I knew which insults would hit and said them. Someone has the receipts, the scar. I called Tanya, so beautiful and kind Tanya, who was good to me and who I loved, dark in a way meant to hurt, and it did. Her disappointment haunted me for years. I was so small when I said it, so grown by the time it left my dreams. There was my proof. I too could hurt the people I love. What good was me wailing on my grandfather's face to allow her off the floor if I had already begun to turn his evils into traditions? At the end of my action was a black girl crying. Someone should have knocked me out. I wish I was better earlier. I wish a world where black women are safe. Sweet wish. I am starward now. This is my goodbye. My apology will be distance. Or eat me here and let me fumble into a steward of your peace. My prayer. May the world be a black girl's cake. My promise. Or burn it down. All right, Janette Smith, pause right there. That was great. I want to talk with you about that poem right after the break. Stick around, everyone. This is The Takeaway. 
every memory you think you have of the past. The house you grew up in, your first kiss. It's not simply an idea, it's a physical trace left in your brain. I own those memories, they define me. But what happens when those memories are stolen from you? In the blink of an eyelid. Can you imagine right to have one night 20 years long? That's what it's been like, just like death. Memory and Forgetting on Radiolab. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is The Takeaway. I'm Janae Pierre, sitting in for MHP. We're continuing our Black Queer Rising series with Lambda Literary Award-winning and National Book Award finalist, poet Denez Smith. Denez, we're talking about your poem, The Slap. In it, I hear you grappling with a few things, and I'm wondering, how does your poetry allow you to see yourself and your mistakes fully in a way that moves you to address them? Or, you know, is it the complete opposite? Are you moved to address them and then the poetry comes? I think it happens both ways, you know? I won't speak for all poets, but for as a poet myself, I am both moved by what poetry becomes a vehicle for and like to communicate, but also I delight in the communication itself, right? So I think what I'm saying is I love what poetry holds, but then I just love the language of the poem, right? So yeah. sometimes with the poem, um, it's just sounds and words or maybe um, an image. I often say like I'm a, I'm a poet of people watching. And so sometimes I see somebody do something weird on the street um, and just their movement, um, the delight on their face, the something else leads me to, you know, bring some words to my mind and I try to run and write the poem. For myself, I am always interested. I used to think I did a lot of poems that were pointing at other people. And, um, I'm more interested at this point of pointing at myself and um, thinking about how this thing relates to me in the world, right? So mm -hmm. looking at Chris Rock and Will Smith and his defense and uh, or Will Smith's defense of his wife and um, Chris Rock's, you know, like lack of defense, of, lack of lack of defense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Chris Rock's like not even that funny joke, um, his offense of her um, then leads me to think about myself. Right. And I think it would be easy to talk about um how the world treats Black women. I've written poems about that before, but how it, I am worldly, I am in the world, and how have I been part of that? And so, um, you know, I think it would have been easy to be the Will Smith but <laughs> in the poem, but to think about being the Chris Rock, how have I um, harmed these women who have um, so protected and enlivened and inspired me? You've long been on the rise, and you have indeed arrived, but... I'm curious, what does Black Queer Rising as an idea and belief, what does Black Queer Rising mean to you? Ooh, when I hear that, I hear a call to make a world where um, Black queer folks, Black trans folks are able to move past surviving um, and into thriving, right? When I hear rising, I hear soaring, I hear flying. You know, it makes me think of shows like Pose, right? <laughs> where like, yeah. where, you know, oftentimes we were seeing those characters survive and doing by any means necessary, doing what they needed to ha to do that. Um, we also see how survival kills um, mm -hmm. characters in that show. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's moments like, I don't know, the uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched all the way through Pose, but, you know, there's that moment where like angels getting married and yeah. um and she invites all her 
black trans and Latina trans sisters mm -hmm. to like wear the wedding gowns, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the moment where I'm like, oh, that's the rising, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, a world where we are loved, where our joy is not um, in despite of something else, where our survival is not magnificent or a tale against what is common, you know, let people marvel in the magnitude and the wonder that are our gifts and our being. Lambda Award winning and National Book Award finalist, author and poet, Dines Smith. Dines, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much.